Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. And we're back. Welcome to the Knicks Wall Podcast, presented by Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure to follow the Knicks Wall at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Make sure you're following Blue Wire at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. I'm your host, Mike Cortez. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Cortez Air. And joining me today, as always, TKWOG, Whistle Sports Podfather, host of Three of the Dome Podcast on Whistle Sports. Kyle Maggio. Kyle, what's going on, brother? Uh, actually, in, in a pretty good mood. Uh, do want to pod. You know, kind of miss it. Uh, I miss uh, regular news and, and occurrences, and thankfully for that, we always have the Knicks to give us something. So uh, here we are back again, excited to uh, get some kind of content out for the people. Speaking of that, I believe you have a little breaking news to share? Yeah, So, <laughs> so this just happened like uh probably within the hour um i i am perpetually online everybody knows this i live on twitter um damian dotson tweeted out he was starting uh, a my league and he needed a couple people to join so uh thankfully it pulled up on tweet deck right as it happened for me so i just happened to be looking right as it came up i answered instantly uh pleading to make this league you know just said please add me come on uh, and he did. So I'm now in this my league with Damian Dotson. Um, I that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know who else is really in this league. I, I don't think it's other players or uh, many other important people. And if that if that's true, uh, sorry if I slandered you just now. But it just seems like he's he's got something open with maybe some friends and some of his uh, followers. So it's uh, cool that he opened that up to me. So thank you. Uh, Damien, I'm going to try to get you on the pod at some point after this now. Just know that. But uh should be fun. should be cool. I picked the Sixers uh, for what it's worth. The Knicks were taken. Okay, um, that was my so question. That, that, so the way, that I, the way you can do these my leagues, as you know, Mike, because we have one together, which uh, I think we still got to play our games too, um, is you can relocate or, or pick uh, throwback courts or unis and stuff like that. So I always factor that in when I'm making my objective decisions separate from the Knicks, uh, if they are taken, which they were. Um, I think Dotson's the heat, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check that. But um, I like to make sure I can get a, a good number of like retro courts, not just unis. I like to change the courts up too. So I went throwback. I went Sixers because I want to use that throwback Iverson court, that like black and blue one with, with the black jerseys. And uh, I thought that was a good era so i want to be able to like mix and match the throwback stuff from then uh that's that's my like spin on what i'm bringing to this league so 
Pretty cool. I didn't know you could change the floors. You're going to have to run that through me when we're done recording. But was uh, I have one question on the Dotson thing. Was one of the stipulations, if you have him on your team, you have to play him the proper amount of minutes because the Knicks aren't capable of? <laughs> uh, that should be. I'm going to – he sent out the rule book a few minutes ago. I'm going to set uh, add that to the list. Whoever's using the Knicks must uh, – or whoever gets Davey Dotson must play him uh, an adequate amount of minutes for a – a sufficient three and D wing in a modern NBA. What a world! Um, yeah, so that's that's our breaking news. Just to lead off the show, nothing really too deep. James Dolan, owner of the Knicks, he resolved from coronavirus, so that's good news. And he is on <clears throat> New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's task force for reopening. So, any sports decisions are being made. James Dolan is going to be a voice in it. Take that as you may. But on to bigger news, more Knicks-specific. Scott Perry, he's not going anywhere. News was released this morning, I would say, that Scott Perry is going to be retained for at least one year. Kyle, what was your gut shot reaction just seeing the news without reading too much into it? It just – it's like such a blah move, you know? Like, so if you've been following me – on Twitter, I had my thoughts there this morning or early afternoon. Um, I, I didn't really think it made a lot of sense. Um, look, the, the GM job is about – it's a results-oriented job uh, for, for a guy who's clearly improving and developing either building block components of this team or just the team in and of itself. The roster is, is, is rehauled in a way that uh, is conducive of winning basketball. And he – hasn't done those things. And this isn't like a, a slanderous thing. This is just an, this is the truth. These, these are the objective facts. So he, he took over, um, you know, right as the mellow era was kind of winding down, he, he made the mellow move, which correct. He should have done that. It was time to start, you know, letting KP be a, a central part of the offense um, only for them to abandon that plan after KP got hurt for whatever reasons, whether or not I agree with them. Um, and a, a really awful trade. It's really worked out terribly for them. And for anyone who's going to reply otherwise, it's telling me that, oh, you know, wait for the 2021 picks that, you know, maybe we get the double draft. I don't care. I, I don't care. We didn't get good picks and I'm not going to invest in a pipe dream scenario where not only does it happen, but we hit home runs on both those picks. So if that happens, I, please rub it in my face. Of course, by, by all means, I would love for that to be true. But uh, anyway, so the, the point is he hasn't done much. Like, you know, the, the, he hasn't done much. Like, they're, they're, the draft mac, uh, the draft record everybody brings up, it's spotty at best, right? Like, don't even mention Iggy to me until I see a second of that guy in the NBA, regardless of how you feel about him as a prospect. Um, so, so big points to Mitchell Robinson. But I just saw some people talking about that, like he hit a home run with that pick. Uh, home runs are, are like Lucas, um, are, you know, guys who are going to really immediately impact your team from day one. Uh, and also get you some wins uh, or, you know what I mean? Like, or it's clear that what their impact is in spite of a horrible roster, like a, uh, like a Trey young and like Mitch is very good, but he's, he's not a home run. He's like a double, maybe a triple if they, if they play him and start him the way he's supposed to be. But like, even if you give them that, you know, it's like you give him points for Alonzo Trier, but then they buried Alonzo Trier and tanked his value in his second season after getting a pretty good value signing from him. Um, so I, I thought that was, you know, odd. I think uh, we're overlooking how grand a failure the Kevin Knox experience has been so far. Um, And on top of that, 
you know, RJ, I, sure, he drafted him, but he kind of fell ass backwards into RJ. He was the consensus top two, three guy overall. Um, anybody pretty much who picked there was going to take whoever was left of him or Ja. So, you know, thank you for getting him to New York and making the selection. It wasn't really a hard one. We all knew it was coming. Um, he just had to move the needle, man. Like, there's more to it than, like, maintaining, you know, the draft picks and, and cap flexibility. Like, you, that that's, like, a half or a third of the job. Like, there, there's more to it. How are you making this a winning basketball team? What's the plan? What's the identity? Because the only identity that we really see here right now is, oh, we're taking another flyer on a number seven or eight overall pick, and uh, we're going to play them some big minutes and see if we can do this reclamation project shit and – not that that's a bad idea, but that that shouldn't be the main idea. It's like he's trying to sign those guys and go, well, I hope Mario Hazoni is a star in New York. Well, I hope Alfred Payton becomes an all-star point guard in New York. Like At some point, it's like, you know, make those signings as the supplementary signings to an actual good signing or, or you know, to be supplements to your actual foundational pieces on the roster that you plan on building around because they're not trying to build around a guy in Mitchell Robinson that they bring off the bench. They're not, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're not clear with what the plan is. And that's my biggest issue. So hats off to him for, you know, getting the draft pick situation to what it is. Uh, it, it is good. It's an objectively good thing he's done there. Um, it's also good that they haven't blown any money, but not being irresponsible isn't exactly a big plus. You know, so at some point you got to start cashing some stuff in. This is a results oriented biz. He's been around since 2016, 17, you know, the, the or right after that season anyway, um, you know, that off season. So, you know, at some point you got to start making something happen here. We were historically bad the first year with Kevin Knox. We were pretty similarly bad this year um, with, you know, what him and Steve Mills set up there at media day saying was such a, a, a good, free agent hall that they brought in. So at some point this has to turn to W's and he hasn't done that. So him staying around doesn't really do anything for me. He's not going to fuck it up obviously because that's not what he's done, but he's also not going to do anything worthwhile. So it's an honest, it's an on issue, I guess, but it's just frustrating because the Knicks never seem to just make clean breaks. It's always, this guy has to hang around for a little while longer. Uh, that's, that's my two cents on it. It's just, it's kind of like more of the same for me. I had two immediate reactions, and the first one was they're probably grooming Allen Houston to take over as the full-time GM. He's been kind of in the shadows for the most part, but anyone that's been close to the team, you'll see that Houston is within the fabric of the inner circle. So I think that's the most likely resolution to Scott Perry being relieved of as GM. My second feeling was maybe they're just waiting out for – a Presti, a Mori type of person to be available next year. Either way, it just doesn't make sense. You covered all the reasons why Perry should go, kind of, because he's been a very C-level general manager. A few months ago, I did a whole recap of everything he's done and what areas he was good in. The only area he was definitely good in was the trades, and the Porzingis trade completely cratered that part of his job because the Mellow trade was good. Marcus Morris trade was good. He attempted to trade for D'Angelo Russell. He wanted to ship out, I believe it was Portis, Nilakina, and Trier. So he was trying to make moves, but at the end, I feel like the the New York's uh, the Knicks win total was pretty flat. 
So what has he really done to stay around? Nothing. So I pray that my gut instinct that he's just here in the interim is just to groom or wait for a better person because he's not cutting it. And recent news, it's funny, because this Monday, actually, I was going over why I think Perry should leave. And the main reason for that was he wanted to get rid of Neil Aquino for some reason. And whether you're a fan of Frank or not, that's fine. Not acknowledging that he has value that's untapped is not fine. This is just further proof for me. This is just my take that he didn't value Porzingis highly enough. I know it was probably Mills' call at the end of the day, but you got to get a better return than Dennis Smith and two first-round picks that are probably going to be outside the lottery. The, the, I mean, this you was an issue to. since day one. It was just bad asset management. Um, it was. It really was with KP. Yeah, you had all the leverage in the world. I don't care that people truly believe in their hearts he was going to sign the qualifying offer. No seven-foot-three freakish athlete coming off of an ACL injury in his rookie contract was going to turn down a max extension or near max extension that nobody has ever turned down ever, ever when they were healthy, ever. They've never turned it down. So you mean to tell me that guy was going to turn it down. You're lying to yourself. You, you really honestly are lying to yourself. Like, and even still, even if that was the case, right? Even if it was the larger issue there is that that kid already wanted out from your organization. You know what I mean? Like that, that's an organizational issue. That was the same year they were preaching, you know, the, the culture is great. You know, we're, we're going to do this or that. And then somebody already wants out. Your, your next top star already wants out. You know, to me, it was just a bad look as a whole. And to me, he hasn't really done much to save face since then. You know, after the trade, he was like, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. this and that. And we got this bright, young, you know, a future, uh, a point guard with a bright young future. And da, da, da. you know, he's a great athlete. And then uh, come start of the season, they he doesn't, he doesn't start. Uh, he seems disinterested off the bench. Uh, then he had the off-court issues with, not issues, the off-court uh, tragedy. I think he lost his stepmother, who he was close to. So it wasn't a good season, beginning of a season for him as a whole. But again, uh, if this is somebody that you, that's the central young player asset you got back while moving your young star, you would think like, okay, well, the plan is to ramp him up and then he'll be starting in a week or two. But it wasn't that. It was like, well... Alfred Payton's here. Well, Alfred Payton's got a handle on things. Uh, Alfred Payton passes Julius Randle 30% of the time that he's on the floor. 30%. But it's okay. It's okay. He's got a handle on things. Really, really good point guard. It's like, like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, I'm not, I I admit Dennis, as much as I was touting, and I believe in the, I I do still believe in that kid. But um, I really thought he was in line for a big year. I did. I thought they were going to, I thought they had no choice but to be putting the ball in his hands and letting him you know, make or break with it. And they didn't even do that. It was like spot minutes off the bench. I'm not saying he even played well enough to deserve more, but it was just like how quickly they gave up on that. You know what I mean? It was just very, the whole thing is very strange with them. This is why I get frustrated because they do one big thing. They want to move on quickly. And then when it's bad, nobody wants to talk about it. It's just frustrating. So that's what, that's where I'm at with the Scott Barry thing. It's like, you can't blame everything on Steve Mills. Steve Mills sucks. I'm glad Steve Mills is gone. And that's what we did with Phil. Not to cut you off, but that's yes. what we did with when Phil was fired. Mills was completely absolved of the Porzingis riff, which ended up being 100% false. 
and he was absolved for everything Phil did. Like he was just some comatose general manager this, this saying is what yes happens. or no. Then the fans fight it. The, the, they fight it for years, two, three, four, and then finally four, five, six, seven years later, they go, ah, okay, ah, okay, ah, yeah, yeah okay, exactly. now I see it. This is what always just it's frustrating. So like for me again, don't hate Scott Perry. I don't. I I wouldn't even go as far as to say he's done a horrible job or even a terrible job. I think in the context of him getting a rebuilding team, he did half his job. That that, that he's I, I think he's I think he's... he's probably a little under mediocre. But to me, I think you know it, it's you can you can always tear down is is the old like NBA front office adage that people have said. You can always tear down the real you know journey begins when you're trying to build it back up. And that's the issue here. You have like, and they keep punting, you know, like the contracts to the next season on these one year deals and, and team friendly deals. It's like, and again, that's, that's good. It is responsible in a sense, but we're not watching for you to be a frugal, responsible basketball team. You know what I mean? Like we're watching for you to make wins happen on the court. That that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. So, so I give him his, his pluses, few as they may be but it's like i think he did half the job it's like you did the first half well you tore down you got some young pieces in you, you got the draft picks you, you got the money okay now now what are you going to do with it nothing this summer okay what are you gonna do with the next summer well there's no really good free agents they should target okay so what about even the next it's like nobody gets seven eight nine years to rebuild man this is not what happens yeah i I think it's just a big theme of the Knicks overall where they're kind of like that person that's going on a diet, but they keep saying, oh, I'll do it next Monday. Perry built, broke it down, like or tore it down, whatever the hell you want to call it. But they never fully committed to the rebuild. They always kept that door open. It's like, oh, Durant might come. Let's trade our only viable asset immediately. Like, why would you do that? It's just like they want to say that they're doing a rebuild, but deep down they're really just still – swinging for that big free agent. I think this whole front office now, I think Rose is the same here. I think Rose is just here to try and lure that star, and then he's going to move on. Because that's just what the Knicks do. If they wanted to do a full rebuild the proper way, they would have hired somebody like Sam Hankey, somebody that knows how to acquire assets over a long time. After the Porzingis trade, it's like, oh, we did our job. We have four first-round picks in the seven years. I'm so fucking tired of hearing that same dumb phrase. It's like, well, we have five picks over the next three drafts. Okay, what does that mean? You just went over the draft picks. All right, cool. So now instead of one Kevin Knox, I'm going to get two Kevin Knox. Instead of two, uh, one Alonzo Trier, I'm going to get two Alonzo Triers. Great. What are they doing for the team right now? Yeah, the, the issue always seems to be like with, with Knicks fans lately, and I, I don't want to even do the, the, the bashing thing too much, but it's like we got to stop doing this we'll just wait a year we'll just wait a year well let's just see what happens at the end of it like you guys got to just start observing things like as they're happening like do you think that i enjoy getting on here every two weeks and complaining about another mishap or another issue or not like do you think that i like that i i, I don't i don't do you, you guys have heard me you know there's a lot of you you guys have heard me when rj barrett had a great game and we were winning a couple you know he's you know he's getting a couple W's for us. He's plowing through the Rockets. I have a blast talking about it up here. I want to talk about that every week, every episode. I want to do that. But why Why would I lie? Why, why would we lie? You know what I mean? That, that's the issue here. So it's like, just just give us give us something. Like, I, I don't know. It's very frustrating. Just... It's not bashing, though. It's I've seen on Twitter with... It's not, it's not bashing, but it's like... 
it's like I just you know like I, nobody hates Scott Perry. It's like and, and even the Sam, the Sam Hankey thing, right? Like I would agree, but even then, like Sam Hankey had to eventually start winning games, and it's like you know the the thing people fail to realize with the tanking thing is even for what the Sixers did, it's still maybe not going to work out. You know what I mean? And I love those two guys, both those guys. I think they should stay together. I think people give them a lot of flack in it with a lot of success in their first two seasons, uh, Simmons right. and Embiid. Um, I, I don't know anybody who was near, you know, the, the stardom levels those two got to that quickly and advanced that quickly and are basically, they're, they're telling them to fold it now. It's very silly. But the Knicks don't have that. Like, we can't just keep tanking aimlessly, bro. Like, that that's my issue. We can't just keep tanking. You can't just tank aimlessly. Hanky did it with a purpose. He got his guys and said, okay, those are the guys. We're, we're back, basically. Like, now... And he got cut off. I think if Hinky finished, I wa- I still wanted to see the full version because he got Simmons and Embiid, and then I think he wanted Porzingis, and he got overrode by somebody not to take him. So imagine that. If he got his full way, Sixers could have had Embiid, Simmons, Porzingis. It would have been nuts. That, that would have been nuts. I mean, but again, like, those are risky things to do, and they worked out for Hinky. Like, he took Simmons knowing full well that guy couldn't shoot, right? Did it anyway. Um, you know, um, what, what, what else was I going to say? Um, wait, did he take Simmons? If they stepped in. Oh, wait, did they? Yeah, I think he, the draft he wasn't a part of was Fultz. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure Fultz was like the draft he was not included in. Okay. But either way, my point is like the, to even get to a hanky position, you got to at least have hit a little bit. Like we haven't hit anything, bro. Nothing like our RJ is the best argument we can make. And even then there's big question marks. I'm, we're both very confident, right? Yeah. There's big question marks. He knows it. He's, I, I was watching his IG live the other day. He says, you know, he, whenever he's been playing, you know, with whoever he's at home with or quarantined with, I guess um, he's playing just one-on-one, just jump shots though. Like he doesn't, he's not driving. He's just shooting jump shots. And he said, because like, I know, like I, I'm aware, I know I'm trying to work on it. So like I, He's working. I hope it works out. No guarantee, but it's like we don't have a home run. We don't have any home runs here. You can't just keep like, okay, we'll just tank again next year. Okay, we'll just tank again next year. You can't do this every year. Like at some point, you got to start trying to be putting together a, a winning team. You know, you can't just tank until it works indefinitely. Like that's not how this works either. Yeah, and they don't take – like this year, I want to see – this is a test for Scott Perry. Be aggressive in the restricted free agent market, even if you don't get it. The Nets did this. They the Knicks should do this with like guys like Brandon Ingram. I don't know as Christian. I don't know if Christian Wood's unrestricted or restricted, but go after Christian Wood. Make some moves because, like you said, there is no tangible talent on the roster you can say is going to be a bona fide superstar. I think Mitchell Robinson will be a good starter, maybe even All Star with the proper playing time and development. R.J. Barrett, I believe, would be part of a good team. Like, I believe that the Knicks can be good with R.J. Barrett being one of the three best players. I truly believe that. But he's definitely not going to be the best player on a good team. And that needs to be addressed. And for the breakdown type of guys, I mentioned Hinky, but I'm talking more about, like, Masai Ujiri. Like, that's who Dolan wants. Maybe they go out and get him eventually because that's a guy who's shown that he can tear something down, get a lot in return, for any star he's traded. He even got something for um what's his fucking name? I'm drawing a blank. Andrea Bargnani. Like, come on. Like, if you can get value for Bargnani 
And then you have, on the other side, you have Scott Perry getting fucking Dennis Smith for Kristaps Porzingis. Like, come on, man. Like, that's just inexcusable. So I just want to see, now that Perry's here, I want to see what he does in free agency beyond these little bullshit bunts. They're not even base hits, they're bunts. Because nobody wants to see Alfred Payton dribble the ball into the ground or just give it to Julius Randle. I'm tired of seeing that. They have the sixth. Yeah. They have the sixth pick in this draft. Move up with that twenty seventh pick. Get two good players, please, or even just go go all in for Lamelo. Who gives a shit? Do something, because these aren't those little moves aren't working right now. Yeah, look, I, I agree. Um, at some point, you got to put up or shut up, man. This is a results oriented business. As nice as guys are, and Perry, by all accounts, is a very nice guy. I've talked to him at a couple media days. You know, he he's a He's a gentleman, a professional, um, good dude all around. Like all those things that you hear about him being like a really nice guy, really good dude, they're, they're true. So I don't, it's not like a vendetta, you know, but it's just as a fan of my favorite team at some point, you have to win games. Like that's, that's the end line here. Like before all this extreme rebuild talk happened with the Knicks, remember, like we were annoyed winning what? 32 exactly. games regularly. Melo's getting killed for I, winning you know, 30 games. Do you, do you know do you know what I would do right now for 32 wins, bro? 32 wins? You mean almost sort of, what, half-ish of the time I, I can watch the Knicks win? I, I brought through the moon. I would be the happiest. If we, if we win 32 games next season, I'd be so happy. That's, that's, that's how sad it's gotten because I'm trying to avoid 17 and 22 wins in a season. Like, yeah, It's just not fun. Like This season was a like a chore almost. There was a certain point where coming on here was like, all right, like we're going to talk about why Julius Randle is still doing this. Are we still going to talk about why Mitch isn't starting? Like, at some point, I want to talk about like on the court results instead of what are what's going on behind the scenes that could be done better. So I mean, like the the D-Lo trade, I would have loved for that to have happened. You know, um, I I think the asking price was so low, it was so low. You could have given them so many picks that it could like not so many. I don't want to sound extreme, but like the the offer was what uh, Bobby Portis, Alonzo Trier, Frank Neal, which I don't know why they didn't take that. What did the Timberwolves just get? I guess Wiggins. They kind of just swapped. Get it? Offloading Wiggins offset it, so I understand that much. But yeah. fans that were like timid to trade picks, this is what I don't understand, right? Like they didn't really get much in the way of picks from the Warriors, if I'm not mistaken, right? We could have probably-, probably given more picks and better picks. For a team that needs to retool, like um, you, you know, like uh, the Warriors are trying to do, like I think, uh, or sorry, the Wolves are trying to do, I, th- I think it would have helped. You know, um, I think they could have taken that. You and their defense is terrible. You get Frank to play defense for them. They got a little offense off the bench with Trier, Porter. She let him walk at the end of the year. Then you got a couple of picks and a couple of bench pieces. I thought that was a decent enough deal. Um, I thought if you just upped the picks and fans were hesitant. And to me, that's kind of where I disagreed because we are in the green with those. Which is so contradictory because then the same fans who say that, because when you look, it's the same people, they'll say, oh, this draft sucks. Well, if the draft sucks, give up this pick. Yeah, there's no pleasing some people. So I I was fine because the way I looked at it was R.J. Barrett needed a, a point guard who can space the floor, create, and shoot. And however D'Angelo might play, and his play style is definitely unique and different, um, he does those things. He checks those boxes. He takes 10 threes a game. 
I would kill for a point guard who takes 10 threes a game. I don't care if he's heaving them from half court at this point. We, we don't have guys who do that. Yeah. So to me, a guy who's going to take that many threes, like, and then people say, well, oh, he's inefficient. Well, the same argument I made for Tim Hardaway Jr. When you take more than half your shots from deep, generally you're going to seem inefficient with the traditional numbers, the field goal percentages and things like that. That's kind of the point. You're taking more threes, which you're going to hit at a lower clip than you would a, a layup or a regular shot obviously, because they're worth more and it offsets it. That's how the math works. So for me, it's, I, I, I don't know. I would have done it, but uh, that was apparently a Steve Mills thing, which I can't believe I'm saying it, but I actually agreed with Steve Mills. I thought that if he could have done it, if the Wolves would have taken that, I I can't believe, like that was actually maybe the first good thing that he was ever going to do. But, um, you know, we're back at square one. We don't have a point guard. Um. I would like to get a Lamelo. I wouldn't mind a Cole Anthony. I have my concerns with both, you know. Um, but you know how I am with any draft. It's BPA plus need, and if the BPA is a is a PG and the need is a PG, then you you do it and you hope for the best. So, yeah, I have a feeling Lamelo's camp's gonna force his way to New York. That's my hope. But my preferred pick is Killian Hayes this year and Hayes Hayes's ceiling is D'Angelo Russell so (laughs) why wouldn't you like for people that were hesitant why wouldn't you just get D'Angelo and he seemed to make his questionable shot selection work with a similar he would have came to a similar supporting cast that he had in Brooklyn sans Karis LeVert who's probably better than anyone on the Knicks but I mean Mitch is at least on par with Jared Allen you have RJ that would have worked the problem is I think it would have cost RJ or a significant amount of picks to get the deal done, but you make that deal done. You, you make that deal every time. No questions asked. So they eventually got to swing to it. But shifting gears a little bit, now that GM is secured, the GM spot is secured for next season, head coach is next on the list. Mike Miller could stay in the mix. The only name that's been mentioned has been Tom Thib- Tom Thibodeau. On Monday, I wrote a piece saying that's a mistake. And I'm just going to say my piece, and then Kyle, you, I guess we can just go back and forth on it. I believe the guy should be Kenny Atkinson. I think Thibodeau is a good coach, nothing against him. He's a great defensive mind. But the Knicks need help scoring. They've lived in the basement of the league scoring since Mello left. And that's the greatest need. And Thibodeau's track record without a top star is non-existent. He had MVP rows. And then when he didn't have – when Rose got hurt, Chicago won games at a pretty impressive rate by just being a tough-ass defense. I don't think that's going to fly at this iteration of the league. I would prefer someone like Kenny Atkinson where he had shit for the four years for the most part. Nets were just firing off threes like madmen. They eventually got Russell, made the playoffs once they got someone of Russell's talent. I think it's a no – like, it's a very easy fit for me. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Thibodeau? Do you think Atkinson's better, or is there someone that I'm not considering that you think I should? So I I think it'd be very wise for them to go after Atkinson. He's the guy that I want the most. Um, I'd like to say immediately after that sentence, however, that the guy that I want the most is often not the guy that works out, because even when I get him, as I did for David Fisdale, um, probably one of my larger L's, it may not even work. So I don't know. I mean, Atkinson at least has some track record of um, one being with the Knicks formerly as an assistant and uh, two 
um, having head coach success of his own. So I, I'm on board with Atkinson. I prefer that we got him. I do think he's the best candidate available. Um, I do think since he's worked for us before and hopefully we didn't burn any bridges with him. Uh, I would like to think that we have a chance um, just for the familiarity and, and him staying in the area if for no other reason. But um, I think it's attractive in the sense that he gets a, a, a prospect that he can probably hang his hat on like he did with D'Lo, um, you know, and, and RJ. So I, I do think that there's some pluses that would be attractive for a guy like Atkinson who's had success navigating a, a difficult rebuild at that too. Like let's not downplay that uh, that Nets rebuild was like – I, mean, I think it, that it was, was – It was bad at first, bro. And, I would say it's the best he, turnaround in recent memory. It is, and I'm not even trying to – this isn't even like a, like a pro Nets, whatever, but like just objectively speaking, like that trade was terrible that they made with the Celtics, terrible. And they eventually got out of it pretty quickly and – due to a couple of gambles, you know, trading for D'Lo, it working out, developing properly. Um, you know, they, they, they turned it around. It, it's a, objectively, it's a good job. So I wouldn't mind having a guy who had a large hand in that uh, be here because we obviously still need that kind of an identity. So that being said, I'm not really opposed to Tom Thibodeau either. And that's going to be like the spicy hot take or make me sound like the out of touch guy. Um, this, this is my logic. I, I have two very clear points three clear points i think okay as much as you don't like it he has been a successful head coach um and then the counter to that is well look who he had he had star players um that's any coach um every coach that's had success has had star players so i don't get that but again um all his teams had well, not all his teams, but you know that they, you know what you were getting, right? Like he had one workhorse guy that he typically relied on to put the ball in their hands, and then they played good defense. That that's supposed to be his mo. With the Bulls, they largely did that, and he had a couple of moving pieces as that workhorse guy, right? So he had Derrick Rose, they had the various uh, stopgap point guards. After that, Nate Robinson went on went on a monster playoff stretch. Shout out John Lucas, uh, John Lucas the third. Yeah, John John Lucas the third. So like he was always given the like. So my point is like he'd give the ball to whoever he felt was the best or central playmaker. Right. I feel confident that that person under Tom Thibodeau would be R.J. Barrett. I do. I feel like that. I don't know for sure, but I feel like he's his his type of like working hard guy. You know, getting after it, coachable. He listens, plays good defense. He's trying on both ends. To me, it just seems like he'd be the guy that Thibodeau would be. You're playing 38 minutes a night. We're putting the ball in your hands. Good luck. Get out there and get me some results, right? The second part of that is he trusts his defensive players. Frank Nielakina, Mitchell Robinson are going to start, and they're going to play a lot, right? I mean, I'm not crazy. I feel like those things are, are logical, reasonable things to expect from Thibodeau. I don't know about the wins, but I feel like him riding RJ and putting the ball in his hands and playing – players that we complained didn't play enough. I feel like there could be worse alternatives, even if they're playing a little bit too much, you know? So I, I'm not saying I would take him over Kenny Atkinson. I would prefer Kenny Atkinson, but I know Tom Thibodeau has his warts. He doesn't really, uh, you know, he hasn't really come along offensively, so to speak, but I just feel like, I just feel like he, there's, there's some kind of a track record. Like he, he's not an idiot. You know what I mean? Right. He's not an idiot. He's not like, this isn't like Mark Jackson we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, very true. Like and Mark Jackson, who, for all the shit we give him as well, me included, like he still got some kind of results, objectively speaking, those first couple of years. Like he did, he did do stuff, you know. 
So it's like, I don't know. I just feel like we do this a lot. We, we talk ourselves out of guys. Like we've seen this before where, where sometimes coaches need another second, third chance, and then they get uh, catch a second wind and who knows. So I'm not really opposed to Thibodeau, but I would prefer Atkinson. Yeah, and my f- I won't even call it, I guess trepidation is the best word for it. I feel like Thibodeau is more of a Fisdale hiring in the sense that if we don't give him – enough tools he's going to struggle right away and then once you start struggling it's a slippery slope Fizdale came under the impression he was going to coach Porzingis Porzingis gets hurt that's out of our control but he never plays for Fizdale who I think his offense <laughs> that he never rolled out it was eventually going to be ISO heavy with getting the balls to his best players similar to what Thibodeau did in Chicago and then in Minnesota if he doesn't have that guy and I hear you I think RJ Barrett would is a Thibodeau guy as is uh, Frank and Mitch, but I don't know if RJ can handle or produce rather. I think he can handle. I don't know if he can produce the numbers that would be needed. I mean, Jimmy Butler had to carry the water from Minnesota because Carl Anthony Towns couldn't. Like he was be able to provide the points, but he couldn't show up on defense. Jimmy Butler had to come to town and establish that. So I'm very skeptical on what the Knicks can put around Thibodeau to make him thrive in New York. If he comes now, I just fear it's just going to be another Fizdale where he's here for two or three years, and then it's just like, well, we should have never hired him. Yeah. So Atkinson's safer to me just because I know he can win with garbage, and I feel like that's what the Knicks are going to give him right away. Yeah, and and I do want to reiterate one thing too. Um, No matter who it is that we want or don't want uh, or who they end up hiring, I don't really care, to be quite honest with you. I'm getting to the point where – uh, we analyze names and who's going to be the best for the guy, you know, for this team moving forward. And then we get the same results every time. So I ask the same thing of any new hire at this point, whether I want you here or not, uh, just please win some games. That's it. Just like get us some good basketball. That's it. Like, I, I don't care how you do it. I, I, I don't care. There's not a preferred playing style. Like if you know how to win basketball games, just figure it out. Like that, that's where I'm at at this point. Like when everyone's like, Oh, Who's your top candidate? Who do, who do you want? It's like every single, it's like they fire someone every year. I want someone new in the front office or to be the head coach every other year, it seems like. And it doesn't matter. I say the same things. I, I we, we do tons of research and then they don't, they don't do anything. They're fired immediately. Or in Fizdale's case, all the evidence that we did have to analyze, all those nice trends and fun things in modern basketball he had the Grizzlies playing, they went to shit. No, he did none of that here. So it's like, I, I'm very confused, man. It's like, just, I, I want someone who's going to come in. Like, if, if we get a Kenny Atkinson, like, and, and he does things like Kenny Atkinson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he comes in and we're like, oh, okay, that's kind of the same stuff he was doing. This is good. This is what I expected. Like, it, it never works that way. Just come in and do the shit that you say you're going to do. Like, anybody. This capologist that we got. Oh, that's right. Thanks uh, for mentioning. Yeah, Brock Aller from, Brock yeah, Aller from, from the, the Cavs. Cavs. He's signed on to be an assistant GM. Uh, they agree to terms. The exact role hasn't been announced, but that's another good signing for Nick fans that want to know a specific move. He was instrumental in that fleecing of J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert for pennies on the dollar. So, yeah, continue. But, like, so again, right? You read that to me. Immediately, my brain goes, that is good. That is impressive. I want that guy on my team. Thank you. But then it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out the way for us. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm impressed, and then I'm always like, well, it doesn't happen here. So it's like, just please, man, like, just start doing what you're being paid to do. That's all I ask. Like, 
just please, just one, like somebody, just one time, come in, do a really good job. That's all I'm asking. I don't care who it is anymore. I really don't. I really don't. Well, yeah, I think it just ties into what I mentioned with Perry and just the Knicks overall, where they kind of have one toe in the rebuild and then, but their eyes are on the big move. And I think Aller is part of that puzzle. I mentioned it on last week's Monday Musings, where he's a, he knows how to finesse the cap to make big signings. Like when LeBron went to Cleveland, that's a really tough task because the Cavs don't have the payroll the Knicks do. And LeBron's appetite was ridiculous to win. So I want, if they are going to swing big, having someone like Aller is good to have. But I'm on the same wavelength as you where I just want results at this point. And until they commit one way or the other, even if it is saying we're rebuilding until we can swing for the fences, just come out and say that and plan like that. Don't say, oh, we're doing a full rebuild. And then tomorrow you're shipping out R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson for Devin Booker. And this is all theoretical, obviously. You're shipping those guys out just because, oh, because we heard that Towns is going to come when he's a free agent. Like, just be upfront with what you're doing and then just have plans that back that up because you're giving mixed signals to everybody where you're saying we're doing a full rebuild, but we're not. So I think that's once that issue is addressed, everything else will just flow seamlessly. And that includes the head coach because the head coach can only control the players he's given. He can't go out and sign whoever he wants. So I feel like that all ties into to one big problem going on. Yep, uh, pretty much. So, it, I mean. <laughs> yep, yep, that's that's <laughs> that summarizes it. Um, um, but if you wanted to pivot real quick, we could just go to uh, Insanity. Yeah, just before we get out of here, I wanted to uh, talk a little Jeremy Lin. Not, nothing too crazy. MSG's doing a full... I think they're doing it for two weeks because it was 13 games. But uh, So there's this narrative forming where Jeremy Lin's a Knicks legend. And I want, I want to separate Lin Sandy from being historic. It was a historic event. But Jeremy Lin himself, he's I, I, I don't consider him a Knicks legend. And the way I put it as... It's like, would I trade the Jeremy Lin experience for getting Chris Paul, for example, signing Chris Paul? I would 100% take Chris Paul every time. Yeah, and I, so, so on this Jeremy Lin note, I, I want this noted uh, because Jeremy, Lee, Jeremy Lin stands are aggressive and angry and uh, even some of the Knicks fans on this sore subject. So we love Jeremy Lin. We, you follow us. You all follow us, whether it's our individual accounts or TKW. Uh, you see us tweeting the highlights out. We've written numerous things about Lynn over the years and reminiscing and talking about our favorite moments. We love that guy. We love that moment, right? Just want to get that out of the way because he's not a Knicks legend. Uh, and the Knicks were correct to not have paid him. This is this is my take, man. Like, I, I love it, but I, I hate when people... I, I love Jeremy Lynn. I love that. But I hate when people talk about it like, oh, well, well Melo and the Knicks ruined a good thing. Or No. No, like, are we misremembering how this ended? They figured him out. He struggled immensely because teams started figuring out, oh, if you apply any on-ball pressure to him, he can't dribble. He has trouble changing directions when he's dribbling, which is terrible for a guard. He's trapped very easily, and then he's turnover prone when he was over-dribbling. Um, he was streaky. I mean, the heat, the heat really just pulled his pants down on, on national television. You know, it's like... And they made it a point. Like, it was a game for them. They're like, we we want... I think they've spoken about this. Like, they wanted to come after him. So it's like, 
no offense, and he was for the next couple of years, he was a fine, solid NBA player. But like, he got a lot of money based on what people thought he was going to be, and he wasn't that anymore. And I'm not even going to touch on the injury thing because injuries happen to anybody. It, it's really whatever. But like, to me, he was never going to be worth that amount. And when they turned the money down, I I actually was like, wow, good. Like, I I just didn't see that working out well for us. I'm sorry, it just didn't make sense to me. All right, so that about wraps it up. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll probably talk some insanity since MSG is doing it, dedicating a full week, or I think it might be even full two weeks since it was technically 13 games. So we'll get into some Lynn talk next week. Uh, Kyle, anything to plug? Um, yeah, uh, just make sure you're, you know, obviously give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, helps us keep doing this. Uh, we appreciate that. Make sure you're following us uh, at the next wall, at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. Um, my whistle stuff, just make sure you're following the three to the dome podcast. Um, make sure you're following whistle sports. Um, we got some good, exciting stuff coming. We've had some, uh, good stuff from, you know, come from the last dance, the Jordan documentary, uh, we're doing some original stories and, and series from, uh, you know, some of the teams he put uh, face back then and, and teammates, things like that. So, Check it out. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content coming for you guys uh, in a time without much. So that's about it. Um, stay tuned for the Damian Dotson uh, Maggio matchups on, uh, in our my league. So follow us. Uh, just I don't, yeah, just I mean you'll see it on Twitter. So if you're following us, so we'll be posting. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, and make sure you're following the Knicks Wall on Twitch. Uh, Sean has been on there the most. He's been doing his rebuild, but hey, maybe Kyle and Dotson could get on Twitch down the road, or maybe me and Kyle. Will... Either way, follow us on Twitch. I believe is it at the Knicks Wall, or is it just Knicks Wall on Twitch? Should be twitch.tv slash the Knicks Wall. Boom. There you go. Um, also, make sure to check out the site, thenicksWall.com. Reed Goldsmith has a full write up on the Perry News. Jordan Childs did a written version of what we did last episode which is look at the 2012-2013 team that was good just check out uh my stuff on atkinson and thibodeau and our draft profile pieces those came out um i believe nick carante just released the ob top in one i believe that's the most recent one before that eli eli cohen did a really good write-up on rj hampton so as the draft hopefully comes closer we still are waiting on the league's word on that we are going to be here for that draft content because the Knicks can pick anywhere from one to nine this year. So it's a very, very fluid situation this year. So make sure you're reading up on every prospect and check out draft season. Uh, my last recording with Joseph Nardone should be releasing shortly. It was a really good conversation on the Jalen Green signing and what the future of basketball can look like below the NBA level, meaning G League, college, and so forth. Really good conversation, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, yeah, make sure you're following Whistle Sports. Make sure you're following the next wall. Support all the homies, and we'll talk to you all next week. Yeah.